Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, now a toddler, and our new addition, Elwood, born this May. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, toddler, and now as a mum of two, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. If you have listened from the very beginning of Mum Talk, you will know it was love at first sight when I met the products created by the midwives at My Expert Midwife. When pregnant with Amandine and Elwood, not a day went by where I didn't use my favourite product, Fantastic Skin Elastic. I feel incredibly honoured to be working with My Expert Midwife, a brand that has truly supported me physically through both of my pregnancies. Recovery after childbirth can be challenging, both emotionally and physically. My Expert Midwife have created a recovery duo designed to soothe bruising, swelling and soreness of the perineum after birth. This includes Spritz for Bits, which provides instant relief to the perineum. You will have heard me raving about this after my first pregnancy, plus the new Soak for Bits, a must-have to add to those first few baths after your baby is born to aid recovery and soothe aching muscles. I could go on and on and rave about every single product I have tried. I know how important it is to have confidence and trust that what you are putting on your skin is 100% safe for pregnancy and baby. For me, using My Expert Midwife products gave me that trust and confidence. My Expert Midwife not only develop incredible products, they provide midwife expertise for pregnancy, birth and becoming a new mum. To find out more on how to prepare and recover from childbirth, visit My Expert Midwife at www.myexpertmidwife.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, which is the final in this series, Series 10, Episode 10. And this week on the podcast, I have Karen, who is the in-house midwife for My Expert Midwife, and she is on to talk to us all about our bits, getting to know the female genitalia. So you can talk to your midwife during pregnancy, you can talk to your doctor confidently during pregnancy or even pre-pregnancy or during the postnatal period as well, how things change during pregnancy and also postnatally. It's a really, really interesting conversation. There's so many facts in there that I actually didn't know, especially at the very beginning. So it is well worth a listen. I hope you enjoy it. I will catch you at the end of the episode. Hi, Emma. Uh, my name's Karen. I'm one of the midwives uh, working at My Expert Midwife. I've been a midwife for quite a lot of years, about 14, coming up 15 years now. Yeah. And um, yes, I've enjoyed it very much and I've seen an awful lot of things and, and had the pleasure of, you know, and the privilege of being at many many people's births because um, I was mainly worked in, in birth care, you know, on delivery suites, at home births um, and at birth centres as well. So I've, I, you know, I've had a lovely time being a midwife and the women have taught me so much, you know, yeah. during that time as well. You think it's all about your education at university, but it's not. It's about what the women um, tell you 
and feedback to you as well that helps develop your practice. Mm, absolutely. And you've got children yourself? Um, I've got one daughter, yes. Um, she's um, she's uh, quite old now. Um, so she just celebrated her 29th birthday. No. I honestly don't feel old. But. <laughs> no, gosh, you don't look it. No. <laughs> so we are here today to talk all about the new campaign that my expert midwife are running about knowing your bits because it's super, super important. So do you want to talk a little bit about that now, about what we're going to be covering in today's podcast so people can get a little bit of an overview what we're going to go through today yes well um we're about to start a campaign um about getting to know your bits basically um because we feel as though women really don't know you know much about their bits and what actually is involved during you know pregnancy and the changes that are involved in pregnancy and during birth and then the recovery afterwards so kind of want to like talk all the way through from before pregnancy right to afterwards and I know that's quite a big ask but I think that we can you know do quite a bit of detail on some aspects of that as well I think think that we've just done a survey actually of a thousand women and it appears that you know we are I mean as midwives we know that women don't know a great deal about their bits unless they really um, are from a medical background or perhaps you know they have a specific interest in that and um, over 60 percent of those thousand women said they did not talk to anybody about their vulva or vagina um, wow. during, during their pregnancy no wow and the reasons for that that they gave was 50 uh, over 50 percent of them said they didn't know what to say mm. so as they don't know what to say it sort of says that you know we need to to be responsible for giving out some information as midwives so women do know what to say and do know how to identify parts of you know their vulva and their female genitalia and what's going on down there so they can articulate that with the healthcare professional whoever they're seeing in order to get the the healthcare and the knowledge that they need to, you know, be healthy throughout the pregnancy and and for an education for life, really, because your bits change from birth to for, forever, don't they? Until until you die, you know, there's different things happening down there. And um, unfortunately, 27% said they were too embarrassed. Oh no! About this, and um, even a small percentage, just under 10%, said they were worried they'd be judged about this as well so we want to really dispel the stigma around um you know female genitalia and i think that starts with people um becoming less embarrassed about what is actually down there Mm. what their bits actually comprise of so we've proved we've ended up um uh, producing a resource which gives people a basic knowledge of what's there and then what um, normal discharge is like when they're not pregnant, what it's like when they are pregnant, what are the types of changes that you might find really going on, you know, because there can be, for some women there's not so many, but most women will experience some degree of change and we'll talk a little bit about that as well, I think, too. Mm. And I think one of the scary things for women that they find um, 
that they don't even want to think about is is what's going to happen when they do give birth to that baby you know what's going to happen to their bits and we want to educate women about what they can do to protect their you know uh, you know their vulva their perineum in particular um and how they can prepare for that during pregnancy there are actually things you can do during the labor and the birth as well to hopefully maximize and reduce the chances of any damage you know happening um to to the vulva and the perineum and and the labia and surrounding area and also i think a little talked about area is is recovery mm. the baby's here everybody's they're all concerned about the baby aren't they and thinking that's the most amazing thing and hey guess what it is you mm. know it's it's fantastic it's like a miracle isn't it but the woman then takes a bit of a you know she goes into the sidelines a little bit and ends up not looking after her perineum and perhaps you know there are um you know there are a lot of cases of infections developing because women don't have time they they think the focus is on the baby and not on them but it's about finding that little bit of time i mean gosh i know it's hard you know i remember it myself i've seen plenty of women struggling with getting that amount of time but having that amount of time to prioritize themselves mm. within all of this i think it's it's really important absolutely i mean self-care does go out the window doesn't it but it's just trying to find that time asking for help and so you can you know take a bath and <laughs> just yeah. get into the swing of being a new mom and getting some self-care in okay so why don't we start by talking about the female genitalia as a, a, a whole what is it called where is everything located um and what you know guides that there will be available to people to 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 help them with this with this yeah so um we'll have um a little piece done about each bit um that is comprised of what we call the vulva so the vulva is i mean lots of people have lots of different names i think for for um, the vulva and it's often people just call it their vagina mm-hmm. um you know and the vagina is actually the tube up inside it's only the um, vaginal opening that is actually you know visible from the from the outside and the vulva comprises of um the bit where your pubic hair is the mons pubis which is basically it's the little mound before you go um a little bit further down where your clitoris will be and your clitoral hood and people don't know a lot about the clitoris either because the clitoris is quite a, a, a large thing we think of it as a little a little tiny pea-sized button for mm. for instance that might have a potential to grow slightly but it actually extends throughout the body you know the nerve endings throughout the body but it definitely extends right down um around the vulva too so we need to think you know when you're giving birth and you know if there is damage down there that potentially those nerve endings could be you know have you know need some time for recovery as well mm. um we've also got the um urethra there the urethral opening and that's the bit that you we out of so I think um, sometimes, you know, I mean, I know that, you know, before I was a midwife, I didn't really give it much thought about what was happening down there. I knew I had a vagina and, a, and you know, a, a bum hole and a, <laughs> <laughs> and a, a clitoris. And, and But I didn't really think, where did my wee come from? But it actually comes from a totally separate orifice, you mm. know, 
um, in your vulva. You know, it doesn't come from out of your vagina. Your menstrual blood and um, uh, your, um, your vaginal discharges come out of the vagina. But, you know, your wee is, comes up from a totally separate area and is connected to um, your bladder and your kidneys, basically. Mm. So it's a totally different structure. So we'll um, outline that there. And they're not the parts of the vulva as well, because um, I think women do realise that, they, that they've got labia, but it's like a bit of a taboo subject, isn't it? Like people's labia and people thinking, is my labia normal? Mm. You know, is it the same as everybody else's? And and what I like to talk about um, uh, with women is that, you know, your vulva and your labia are a little bit like your face. Mm. So everybody's face um, is like has two eyes, a nose and a mouth. And, and whereas your vulva has, you know, your clitoris, your urethral opening, your labia um, and, and uh, your vaginal opening and your, your anus, it's like... It is just the same, but they all look different. Mm, absolutely. It's fine. It's mm. totally fine. We have different skin tones and colouring down there, especially um, depending on your ethnicity. You know, that the different shadings, um, you know, can be very different. So you can go from, you know, really almost black right down to, you know, sort of quite whitish, pale pinkish colours. And anything in between those colours, you know, sort of purpley colours, reddish, dark pink, all of that is normal. And lots of women, I don't know, they see things online or they see pictures of, of, of things perhaps and think, oh, well, mine's not about I hear people talking or mine's not like that. Um, is there something wrong with me? Or mine hang down a little bit more than somebody else's and, and uh, that can't be normal. Mm. But it, you'll generally find that it absolutely is normal and it's definitely something you think about especially when you're a first-time mum and you haven't given birth yet and I remember thinking oh my goodness should I wax should I not wax like is my uh, my parts going to be on show to everybody but I can really guarantee you that when you're giving birth you are not thinking about any of that <laughs> whatsoever yeah I mean yeah I think that you don't you do become anxious during pregnancy about mm, that definitely. whereas it's not something that necessarily you do think about a lot when you're giving birth but because you're getting on with a, a much more important job mm, absolutely what your pubic hair looks like mm. um and I mean even down to pubic hair you know pubic hair is as different as the hair on our head you know mm. it has mm. different textures it has different colors um and you know people's you know, a lot of people do shave it all off now, especially mm. for birth and things. But, you know, there really isn't any need to do that. It is normal, it's pubic hair. Mm. And it can stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there's the perineum as well. And of course, perineal massage is often really recommended prior to giving birth, isn't it? Yes. Well, um, there's lots of research behind um, um behind um, that so um, that's basically um, uh, from quite a few years ago and we know that doing regular perineal massage will um, help the perineum to stretch become more elastic and basically be able to be more stretchy 
um, during the birth, which is exactly what you want. Um, especially for first-time mums, what it can do is reduce the chance of you needing an episiotomy. Now, an episiotomy is a cut to the perineum, um, and that is to help uh, speed the delivery, widen the vaginal opening and speed the delivery up of the baby. Um, shouldn't be done for anything but fetal um, distress, so if we think that the baby needs to, to be born. But if you need help um, having your baby, so if you had forceps or a ventouse, which, which is a suction, then that is done as a matter, of course, in most births, um, just because it's... You don't want to have a tear that's going to extend down to your bum because right. then that involves more difficult surgery to repair it. So it's better for that cut to go on an angle. Um, but the women that have done the perineal massage, especially in first time mums, have a lesser of an incidence of episiotomy. And you can see why, can't you? Because mm. if it's more stretchy and more easy, easier to stretch, then that baby will be coming quicker. And then there'll be less concern regarding, you know, the baby needing to be born. So I think that perineal massage is a good thing to do. It can be difficult for some women, mm. though. It can be difficult for them to reach down there, especially when they're, you know, quite heavily pregnant. So it is really about experimenting with different positions and not thinking the first time that you do it, because you can start it from 34 weeks, not thinking the first time that you do it, right, I've got to get into it and, you know, I've got to do it, I've got to do it for three to four minutes and three to four times a week. Just spend a bit of time getting to know what's the best position for you. You know, that might be sat on the toilet, that might be one foot up against the bath, that might be reaching behind you, might be squatting, it might be on all fours it might be just comfy laid back on a pillow in bed um and even still some people find that difficult so you can um engage the help of your partner which obviously not everybody's comfortable with doing but i always say that if you can get to a point where you are comfortable with it try and see it as a means to an end mm. you know this is going to be something that potentially could benefit you, mm. you know, in the um in, you know giving birth and not for you not to have a, a more extensive tear so try to see it as a means to an end to think well it's only a certain amount of weeks and if I, you know I can engage my partner with it and we can try and do this together as a team really mm. and I think when you do in the perineal massage as well I always like to think of it as because we are so, I think, in this day and age, disconnected from our genitalia somewhat, we kind of don't engage with it maybe as much as we should. It's so always like, oh, down there or a bit, so, you know, what is it down there sort of thing. I think it helps you to engage with that. It mm. also helps you to feel that, you know, when you're doing the perineal massage, yes, you are stretching things. It shouldn't be really painful um you should get to a point where you can feel a positive stretching feeling but when you're giving birth to your baby you're going to recognize that feeling and you're going to think mm. wow yes i recognize this i know this needs to happen my baby's coming now i'm nearly there because baby's head's there and i can feel that stretching feeling it's not 
quite as much of uh, a shock, for mm. instance, of like thinking, because it is quite stretchy and stingy down mm. there and it can be a little bit burny for a very short amount of time, very short, but it just helps you to just be a little bit more relaxed and just, mm. I think, let go, you know, and just that baby needs, the baby needs to be born now and, yes, I recognise this feeling because I've done the perineal massage mm. and also, you know, when you do the perineal massage, you will actually notice things, um, you know, about your vulva that maybe you hadn't noticed before, you know, where mm. you, your urethra is and, you know, what your labia are like and where your perineum is and all the rest of it. So I think it's a positive thing for empowering women, really, about getting to know, you know, the, the vulva. I completely agree. I mean, I did it with my first. I didn't actually do it with my second pregnancy, which... I don't know why I didn't pick one of those self-care things. I didn't make the time for it. But actually talking about, you know, the burning sensation, getting to know that sensation. I really, really believe in what you're saying, because actually with my second birth, I really looked forward to welcoming that that feeling because I knew what it had felt like through the perineal massage with my first and birthing my first and so when that started to happen for my second I was like okay yes this is brilliant come on we can do this baby's here and it almost gave me that second (laughs) that second amount of motivation because I, I recognized the feeling I knew we were moments away from baby coming and it just gave me that extra bit of push to be like actually yes we're this is this is we're on the right track, you know. So I completely agree. If if anything, especially first time mums, if any if there's anything you can do to prepare you to connect with a feeling you've already had, it will definitely help with that second, you know, wave of motivation to just keep going and baby's almost here. Yeah, and it sort of dispels a few of those fears, I think. Absolutely. As well, which is which is great. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, um what the other things that we've got as well are we've got um, resources about what to expect with the changes to mm. um, evolve and your, your bits, you know, during pregnancy. Because I don't think people think that things will change down there and they really can do during pregnancy. So, you know, we, we, um, we talk quite a bit to women, you know, about piles, hemorrhoids, you know, they can be really quite common because you've got all this pressure, haven't you? You've mm. got growing uterus a growing baby you become heavier and heavier and there are veins down there and these veins can you know really get quite congested because they're trying to find the blood is trying to find its way back up to the up to the heart that's what your vein and that's the job that your vein has and it can end up uh, thinking oh it's a little little bit congested down here you know and Mm. and that you end up with these um little piles or sometimes bigger piles and they can um, feel really strange if you haven't had them before they can feel a bit like um you know as sort of hard and shiny as a grape you know um hopefully not quite as big as that but they do actually in your mind when you feel it you think it's massive mm. because I've had so many women you know say to me oh, I'm sorry about my piles you know and they're giving I'm like oh no you know it's really not that big either and sometimes I've looked and thought I can't see anything, you know. Um, and it's almost like it feels huge, but it's not. But there are things you can do to to relieve that. So you can, you know, you can um, use cold therapy. So you can actually buy um, cold pads that you can re, um, 
uh, refreeze or remake them cold um, to put on. But you, you can equally you can use a bag of peas, you know, wrapped in a cloth. Um, it, once you've um, established that they are piles, you can uh, we do um, a perineal spray called Spritz for Bits, you know. Oh, my gosh, it's the best. <laughs> that is the best stuff. That and Fantastic Skin Elastic, I would not be pregnant without them. So good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got witch hazel in and um, tea tree and lavender. So it's got everything in to kind of be that soothing thing mm. um, that you need for, for that. Or you can just simply you know, um, go in a bath, you know, or even a bowl, you know, pop them in a bowl. But um, you'll find the piles, um, and piles can be also uh, on your vulva. You can have um, varicosities, you know, varicose veins on your vulva too, which women are like, oh, my God, you know, surely not. But, yes, that congestion can be there too, and they'll just appear as, like, bluey, purpley, um, like, veins you know that are maybe a bit lumpy um down there and equally you can do the same thing for those as you can for piles that um are, are on your bum your anus mm-hmm. so it's um i think it's just important to know that you just don't have to suffer in silence with any of these things you there, there are things that you can do and please voice your concerns to your midwife you know and and discuss with her if you feel like any self-help treatments you know that we've just discussed or that you 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 do yourself at home just aren't cutting it for you basically um because you know that's what you know we we are used to hearing you know all sorts of things and definitely very very used to hearing about piles you may remember Leslie Gilchrist, CEO and Clinical Director of My Expert Midwife, joining me on the podcast in Series 9. Leslie shared an incredible amount of knowledge. The midwives at My Expert Midwife have created some easy checklists and guides to help you through your pregnancy and birth journey. From perineal massage, pain relief, to preparing your hospital bag and prioritising your recovery. They have a fantastic expert advice section on www.myexpertmidwife.com. Do go and have a look. They will most likely answer a lot of those pressing questions that you need expertly covered. We are now so incredibly lucky to have direct access to the wonderful team at My Expert Midwife. This year, they launched antenatal classes, which are 100% midwife-led. If you are pregnant and planning for birth, whether you're a first-time mum or having your second or third baby, these are for you. They are evidence-based, preparing you and your partner for the realities of childbirth, replacing the anxiety of the unknown with the excitement and anticipation, helping you to enjoy the journey. Visit www.myexpertmidwife.com to learn more. So you touched very briefly earlier on vaginal discharge. So how how can how is that normal outside of pregnancy, and, and then how can that change during pregnancy? Yeah, so um, I think that a lot of women don't know um, what normal vaginal discharge is because um, you know a lot of us take hormonal contraception, mm-hmm. um, which can sort of mask the the sort of cycling of vaginal discharge that you do get um you know because a normal vaginal discharge is is kind of white sticky doesn't it does have a smell to it but it shouldn't be an offensive smell um or a fishy type of smell um it should be 
um, just like white sticky. And then when you are most fertile, it becomes really stringy and like um, egg white, like snotty almost. And that's to, it's very clever as a body, you know, that's actually to help the um, the smooth the passage of the sperm to the to the egg so it's to make it um you know um more favorable for that to mm. happen um and the stickiness is to make it unfavorable for it to happen because there's no egg waiting for for you there love you know so yeah. don't you in here so those that cycle of that can be masked by hormonal contraception and then when you get uh, which can be less often less discharged than what we would be used to if we weren't on that. And when you get to being pregnant, there is a lot of hormones going around your body, a lot. Sure are. Yeah. Just ask my husband. That affect both physically and emotionally. Um, so um, they can create, and it's a known thing that um, there, there is an increase in vaginal discharge when you're pregnant. And this can be in the form of, all sorts of things you know it should still be a creamy white color should still should not have an offensive smell to it um if you're worried about anything you know if it's bloody if it's um if you've got spotting or um spots of blood or if it's brown or gray or you know lumpy and white you know that could be a sign of of thrush um that you need to go and to your midwife or your doctor to and get a prescription for to get treated um then so long as it's not any of those things then it is normal but women do worry a lot about what is in their pants what does mm. come out vaginal discharge wise it's often towards more towards the end of the pregnancy as well because people will um think it could be their waters which it may it may well be mm. and you know your waters can go and you know it's not like the telly and you know all the films and there's a huge tidal wave of you know waters it can be like that don't get me wrong but in general it tends to be oh oh I think I might have wet myself or oh what was that um and it is a leakage because you've got to remember that in most cases that baby's head is there and it's Mm. you know it's used as that that plug there so it's it's much more like to be more of a leakage than mm. it is to be um a big wave but saying that it could be like that so it's important to discuss that with your midwife or ring your triage your, your maternity assessment center up and make sure that you establish that it's not your waters because obviously once your waters are broken there are there are risk factors for infection there and you know you'll be able to get good advice surrounding that um from your midwife or your assessment center i think another thing is the show mm. as well because you know that can come out any point in your pregnancy but normally it is towards the end um and it can not come out for women as well so they may be expecting this discharge and then it it it's it doesn't come but equally the show can come in very different forms as well so it can come in um like quite a runny snotty sort of consistency thick gloopy sort of solid consistency it can have colors in it in fact historically um women used to call it their colors oh, i've lost my colors uh, really so, uh, yeah 
So that's um, it's interesting that you know when there wasn't perhaps the name for it, that's the name that it became, and it can be flecked with some blood. Um, uh, you shouldn't have too much blood in it. You absolutely shouldn't be blood that's running out of you in a stream, um, because that's not um, uh, normal, and you need to um, really have some medical input for that. So we'd advise that you get some, um, you know, you talk to somebody as soon as possible about that. Um, but it can have brown bits in, greeny, mm. yellowy bits in it, um, lumpy bits in it. It can come out not all in one go. People get their show and then think, oh, that's it then, I've had my show. And then, oh, there's more. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> there's more. <laughs> so, but... A show is generally a good sign at the end of pregnancy because that is meaning that, hey, guess what? Your body's gearing up now. You know, it's thinking, right, you know, the show is the plug that is in the actual cervical canal. So once the changes start to happen to the cervix and it becomes softer and thinner and more pliable, then that's how this this show becomes released or released in bits, which is quite probably the most common way it is released mm-hmm. and how about utis are they more common in pregnancy yes yeah, so they can be again it's hormonal changes and you know there's so many different things happening in your body mm-hmm. that your body's not used to so you know you um the flora and your vagina can change and thus you know you, you know the structure of your vulva can change so then that makes you more susceptible to to UTIs. So if you feel as though, you know, you might be struggling with weeing, so if there's a burning feeling or a hot feeling or you go to the loo and you can't wee or you think you've weed and you haven't weed at all, you know, anything or if there's blood in your urine or anything like that, then that could be because there's some sort of infection there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way to try and avoid it is to... Uh, which isn't possible for, you know, for, for some women at all. It doesn't matter what precautions they take. So it's not your fault at all that this um, happens. Just some women are more susceptible um, to this. But try and drink more water, you know, just try and make sure that you're really well hydrated so that, you know, you're flushing through everything through your body. So, you you know, you'll be flushing out that bacteria that potentially can sit there and cause this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the, the best advice, but the best advice is, you know, go see your midwife and make sure that, um, you know, during that, um, you know, you're not suffering in silence again, you know, yeah. that you've got somebody to, to talk it through with and, and you know, they'll take a, a sample and send it off and see if there's anything that needs to be treated mm. with antibiotics. Absolutely. So one thing that I'm sure many pregnant women who are listening will be really keen to hear is what can we do to protect our bits during labour? Or what can your midwife do to protect bits during labour? Well, we've already covered the perineal massage, which is a really good thing that you can do. So that's your preparation during pregnancy. Now, Um, When you're in labour, you kind of think, oh, well, it's a done deal now, don't you? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But that's not necessarily the case um, because there's all sorts of 
different things that you can do or you can request and put in your birth plan um, to have happen um, during the time that you're in labour, if that is you know, possible if labour is, you know, straightforward and, you know, things are happening as as, as they need to be. Um, one of the best things you can do is labour in, in water because mm-hmm. water is known to help soften the tissues and um, reduce, you know, it's, again, it's obvious, isn't it? It's kind of common sense. It's kind of, do you need to be a midwife to, to <laughs> kind of hear this? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you have, you have pain, backache or tummy ache what do you do you get in the water don't you you know you you um you know, if you've got a you know a, a sore bum or a sore perineum or whatever you get in the water you instantly feel better and the water softens the tissues and it also helps that um when you give birth in the water as well i mean you can just labor in the water and get out to have the baby but when you give birth in the water you've also got that really slow sort of pressure from that water so there's water's heavy so as your baby's been born it's slowing that birth down of the head sort of with a, the natural pressure of the water and it is about a slow birth of the head mm. the bone, um, if it's breech but you know it's about it's generally a head and it's about that slow birth it's about not firing it out like a bullet take it slowly you know, let everything, all those tissues do what they need to do, stretch really slowly and and just give it the optimal chance of doing the least amount of, uh, of damage down there. Hopefully no damage, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, get away with the, the least amount or lesser than you would have done had it come a lot faster. Now, obviously, you can listen to your body, which is fantastic and definitely do this, you know. That stingy, burny feeling as your baby is coming, it's there for a reason. Mm. It's there for you to kind of think, oh, ouchy, stingy. I'm going to slow this down. I'm really going to slow this down. And your midwife, obviously, you'll be working as a team with her and they'll be able to talk you through as well, you know, to just say, you know, slow it down a little bit. And you can do that by breathing. So once you get to a point, there's... You shouldn't be pushing at all because that baby is just coming with the force of a contraction and you should just breathe your way through so it's as slow as it possibly can be. Mm. And there's also a technique um, using warm perineal compresses that has got a lot of research back behind it, but we don't seem to do it in the UK. And I don't know why. I think it's because everything is just takes a lot longer to come into the NHS. Um, births are maybe a little bit more medicalised now than they used to be. But if your birth is straightforward and you're not needing any assistance, there is no reason why you can't try this technique. And it basically is, as it, it says it all, a warm perineal compress. And it is a compress which can be made out of a pad which you bring yourself or every midwife will have a pad she can make up and they're all in the delivery packs. So you open a delivery pack and there's a bowls and there's swabs in there that can be made into this compress. And as your baby is crowning, it can be put so the baby's crowning kind of here. The compress will be put on there during a contraction. Taken off when there isn't a contraction, rewarmed 
in the bowl and popped back on again. Now, we've got a blog that I wrote about this and we've also got, because some midwives haven't heard of it and don't know about it or cautious maybe about doing it so um i've i've got um a, a guide really so that you can just like you can print that off you can put it in into your birth plan and it'll tell you exactly how to make up the water so it's the right temperature to make up the pad um, or use the woman's pad and i mean there's no reason as well why if you as a woman can get into a position that mm enables you to put your own hand on your perineum with the compress which is perfectly possible but you can't do it yourself so but if that you want the midwife to to do that then it gives an absolutely comprehensive guide can't go wrong oh, fantastic that. wonderful and if you can't birth in the water or if you decide not to you'd rather not or perhaps for medical reasons you can't what are the best positions during birth for an active birth? And, you know, if you're in bed because of an epidural, are there, is there any guidance around what are the best positions to help baby move down? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, once we, once you're having an active birth, you should be very instinctual about, you know, which position is best for you. Because your body, nobody you know nobody knows your body like you do mm. your body is telling you it's giving you signals and signs of what to do tune into that and make sure that you're listening to those signals and signs so you know I've seen women do um what I might consider to be really peculiar things <laughs> giving birth um you know like jumping out of the water pool and throwing themselves onto the bed flat on the back which is like a position that you wouldn't really think because they instinctually know that their baby needs some sort of room or manoeuvre mm. and that's what the body is telling them to do and they've birthed their baby and I just think wow you know it's not what the textbooks say but they've done that so I would say first and foremost listen to yourself listen to your body tune in with what your body's telling you to do Often it's really good to be sat on the toilet. Women mm. find it really comfortable to sit on the toilet. It opens up your pelvis by up to 30% more. Wow. So you're giving that baby some room to get through the pelvis. Um, but you also feel quite quite safe on the toilet mm. because when you're giving birth, um, you feel like uh, women always say, I'm going to poo, I'm going to poo, and you know, which isn't a problem at all. But um, when you're on the toilet, you tend to not hear them say, I'm going to poo, because that's where you would poo anyway. And you're relaxed. Mm. Yeah, you're relaxed. You feel, well, it's okay if I do a poo now. I mean, it's not a poo, it's a baby in general. But, you know, it's just because it's so close to to your rectum that you feel like it is that poo there. Um, So, um, yeah, so the toilet is brilliant. So anything in a squatting position, fantastic. Um, if you're kneel, kneel upon the bed with your bed head up, all beds are electric in delivery suites. So up and over the bed with your hands, and then that gives you the gravity. And it also applies a very even pressure around the perineum. Mm. So instead of 
when you're laid back and you see the typical birthing position, say, on a television or mm-hmm. in a field, woman is like, got her legs up and is laid on her back and you don't get that equal pressure because mm. all that baby's in your bottom. Mm. So where are you going to tear when mm. that baby delivers? You're going to tear around that perineal area. You want to lift that away a little bit and spread that pressure so it's equal all around there. And when you do that, you'll find that the tearing to the perineum is usually or can be reduced, mm. um, which you know, is great. There might be some more grazing or some more soreness sort of around the labial area, but that tends to be reduced because naturally that's how it would be. Women have never given birth on, on beds historically. It's no. only in the last two centuries that that's happened, that women have ended up on beds. Mm. However, we know now that there are lots more medicalised births and there's women that want epidurals and that's absolutely fine. Um, but you need to know that you don't have to be on your back with an epidural in order Mm. to give birth to your baby. You can um, lie in a position which we call left lateral. So that's basically just on your left-hand side. Somebody can then hold your your leg up, so your knee, or we can put a little shelf up and and, um, that leg can go up there. So your pelvis is open then. And then, again, in that left-lying position, the pressure is spread. So it's it's evenly spread around mm. instead of all going down into your bum. So the best thing to do is to write all of these things into your birth plan just to say what your preferences are. And if possible, the midwife who's caring for you at the time, then just really do express these as your preferences, you know, Ask them to read, people who are caring for you, to read your birth plan or make sure that you expressly say, this is how I want to give birth. If at all possible, I do not want to be on my back unless mm. my body tells me I want to be on my back. Mm. Um, I want to do it, you know, like this to minimise basically the chances of, you know, tearing or lessen the extent of the tearing. Mm. So let's go on to talk about recovery um, and how we can help our bits essentially recover after birth. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, like we've touched on before, that the baby is here and, you know, hey, everybody's so excited and it's wonderful. It's amazing. There's a new member of the family. But the woman gets a little bit lost in all of this and Mm. thinks, well, yes, you know, my body's done the job now. I've got my baby. Everything's great. And, you know, oh, well, you know, everything will be fine down there. You know, I'll be fine. I'll heal up. But you really do need to set a little bit of time aside for yourself. You know, even if it's just 30 minutes a day, just to do something you want to do, you know, whether that's to, you know, go for a walk for 30 minutes, sit in the garden by yourself and take some deep breaths or look at the sky and the birds or whatever, listen to some music or go for a a lovely bath, you know, have a soak with some, we do some lovely bath salts again, you know. They're they're so lovely. You know, that you can soak, you, you know, you feel like you're having a 
they smell like the spa, you know, but they've got, um, a, a, you know, arnica in that helps reduce swelling, got Epsom salts, which helps with um, aches and pains, and bergamot, which helps, you know, um, just lower your mood, uh, not lower your mood, but, you know, sort of make you feel a bit more relaxed, mm-hmm. you know, de-stress mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's just a little bit of a treat for yourself or, you know, just a warm bath is just absolutely fine. And just making sure that um, I like to, when I talk about recovery for your bits, I also like to talk about women who've had cesarean sections as well. Mm, yes. They're often the forgotten women. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're talking all about giving birth and I just had a cesarean. But it's kind of like whether it's being a planned cesarean or an emergency cesarean, that's how you birthed your baby. That's how your baby was born. And, Mm. you know, to be accepting and engage with the the place where your baby was born from, I think is really important to engage with your wound, your scar, to make sure that you're keeping that wound um, clean and that you know what it looks like, you know what's normal for it. And, you know, it's really important to to do that for yourself as well. And obviously with your recovery, you might not be able to get in the bath straight away after having a cesarean section because you'll be, you know, you need your mobility back a little bit. So you might have to wait maybe a few more days in order to, you know, sort of engage with getting in the bath and and, and having a good look at things. But once the dressing is off and, you know, everything is healing normally, you know, start to have a look around that you know, and, you know, see if it's itching and it's feeling a bit crazy, then you can always spray some spritz for bits on that. That helps to soothe things as well, so long as everything is normal and healing properly. Um, But, yeah, going back to vaginal birth, you know, making sure that, and and for cesarean sections as well, making sure that when when you're changing your pads, that you wash your hands before Mm. as well as after. So you're keeping that area really clean you know, and making sure that you're not introducing any any bacteria into the area. Really regular changing of pads at least every four hours for the first few days to make sure that that's not, um, you know, bacteria doesn't have a, you know, an opportunity to mm. multiply down there. And then I think also, if you are concerned, listen to yourself, listen to your instincts, get some help. You know, if you feel as though things aren't right down there, either with your cesarean section or, um, you know, with your discharge or with your stitches or with your, um, you know, just general healing, even if you haven't had stitches, make sure that you get your midwife to have a look at it. Or if it's further down the line, you know, get an appointment with your GP and get it looked at sooner rather than later. So, you you know, you've got that extra input mm-hmm. for that. Absolutely. And I think I said this on the phone to you yesterday when we had a brief chat, didn't I? But I remember when my midwife gave me such a great piece of advice was, especially after birth, was get a mirror and have a look at your bitch. Yeah. Because 90% of the time, it certainly doesn't look as uncomfortable or as bad as it feels. Because I remember after birthing, Amaldine especially, I just felt so heavy. And so I just felt like everything was really swollen. And I had a couple of teeny tiny tears. I was very, very lucky, but I had just a few small tears. But to me, in my head, they were massive and I'd be able to yeah. see them. But actually, when I, when I got a mirror down there and I had a look, I couldn't even see where they were. And I was thinking, 
hang on, is that what she's referring to? Wait, is that a stitch? I'm sure that's a stitch. I'm not, but, you know, when, when I took the time to actually have a look, and I would say definitely have a look also when in your pregnancy, so you kind of, you can, you yeah. then know your bits. I mean, it's exactly what your campaign is about. We do it with our boobs, you know, being women, we check our boobs, we know what our boobs feel like to check for any change. It's kind of the same with our bits, isn't it, in pregnancy? We, we, we want to be keeping an eye on them and just seeing what they look like because our head can play all sorts of mind games as to what's going on down there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, I had an episiotomy with my birth and I was like, oh my God, what on earth is this going to look like? And it just so was not Mm. what I was expecting. It was was much less of a frightening experience. And it was just, I, I don't know, it was just, I was relieved when I looked at it. So I think it just helps to put your mind at rest. And then if you do end up with a problem, you know, with say your stitches or your episiotomy, you've had a look at it and then you can see, "Mm, actually, do you know what? I'm not happy with this. I do Mm. want somebody to look at it or, you know, it feels different or it looks a bit different or, you know, the smell might be a little bit different as well, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely about, again, what we said, um, just engaging your mind a little bit with your, you know, with your genitalia, you know, mm-hmm. be aware of it and try not to ignore what's going on down there. You know, it's you. It's, you know, it's just, it's as unique as you are, as it's as different as people's faces are, like mm-hmm. I said at the beginning mm-hmm. as well. And, but, you know, it's yours and nobody's got, one like yours so get to know yours absolutely well karen thank you so so much for all of your knowledge and sharing your knowledge with us all is there anything else that you would like to add today no it's been wonderful to chat and um, just to get the message across about things that you can do for yourself i think and you know to make sure that women are a little bit more um knowledgeable about you know what's happening down there what they can do to protect themselves you know we've covered quite a lot and you know go to our website at my expert midwife and you know have a, a look at the at the resources that we've got that help to support women and give them a little bit more of an idea of what's going on we've got handy hints and tips on there as well that might be helpful for people um during their recovery as well as um you know before the birth as well that just they just jog your memory don't they to they help do. you think yeah it's about me and i need to you know, I need to take care during pregnancy and, you know, and after the birth. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It has been wonderful talking to you. Thank you again. Huge thank you to Karen for coming on the podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope it answered any of your questions if you had any. So we are at the end of the series. And as we've had loads and loads of guests on this series, it may well be that in the not too distant future, I will be on sharing what's going on for us, what's been going on for us um, at home. Lots has 
changed. Uh, it's all become fairly hectic in a lovely, lovely good way. Um, and I'm also very aware that I never got around to answering your questions on Instagram. So I'll put another Instagram poll out for questions and do a little bit of FaceTime on Instagram. Um, so you can ask away and we can just have a general chat on there as well. So as always, if you have any questions or you want to connect, then please do come and find me over at Mum Talk Podcast on Instagram that's where I am mainly you can always pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com although I am going to try and turn off my emails for a little while and um, just try and take some time out so thank you so much for listening to this whole series series 10 I really appreciate you all being here it is wonderful to have the continued support of all of you and the community that is growing and growing and growing um, through this podcast so thank you so much and a huge thank you to my expert midwife for partnering with us and sponsoring the whole series and that has been amazing it's been an absolute dream partnership for me it's a brand that I truly truly love and believe in and have supported me through both of my pregnancies and I genuinely would not be without their products in pregnancy I will leave you with that thought. Don't forget to grab yourself some goodies with the discount at the end of the podcast. And I will catch up with you soon. Lots of love. Even the second time round, I didn't really know what to pack in my hospital bag. I knew what not to pack, but there is always a worry that you will have forgotten something you yearn after in labour. Luckily for us, the midwives at My Expert Midwife have curated a hospital bag set with all their essentials, including the brilliant Spritz for Bits, which I can personally recommend. It certainly saved my delicate parts post-birth. Soak for Bits, No Harm, Nipple Balm, Spritz for Labour and Labour Rollable, designed to help calm and focus. As our little gift to you, My Expert Midwife have kindly given me an exclusive code to share with you, for 10% discount across all products. Head to www.myexpertmidwife.com and use mumtalk10 at checkout and get that hospital bag packed. Don't forget to get your birth partner to pack it for you so they know where everything is. I made that error first time round.